Hi, everyone. Welcome to our fourth episode of the Gen Z Leads podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about women's health, menstruation, um, access to education about women's health and hygiene. So let's get started. I guess kind of to start, I think, how were you taught about menstruation? Like, how did it come up? Like, did you learn about in school or somewhere else? So I got most, I feel most of my education came from just my mom because those conversations were easier to talk to like parent with. Um, And my school did have a health curriculum in middle school that like kind of talked about it, but it wasn't a main topic. And I remember being really confused about why women's health, like periods that that wasn't really discussed. It was more focused on like emotional health, mental health, um, family units. It was that type of education. And so they missed out, I, at least I missed out on a lot of that um, in terms of school. But luckily, you know, I had a really great environment at home where I could like ask, you know, all the questions I wanted to know. But there's a lot of people who don't necessarily have that. And that can be very damaging if the education is withheld or, or just not covered. Um, so that, that, that's my experience was a little different. Yeah, so I think that for me, it was pretty comprehensive. And I think that at home, I could also ask my mom questions if I had them. But I feel like the way women's menstruation is portrayed in TV shows was very damaging because like, you know, there's all those like, you know, oh, if you're in a bad mood, then like, you know, it was a common joke in TV when I was watching it, like, you know, oh, is it that time of the month? And I feel like that's very damaging in terms of like associating certain things with menstruation that shouldn't necessarily be associated. Yeah, I've had that too, where there's a lot of stigma and and a lot of that stigma comes from the media portrayal. And in movies or in TV, if a woman is upset or she's acting like, like quote, agitated or seems, quote, off, the response is something's wrong with you. Some, are you on your period? Is, you know, and then I've heard actually, like I remember being in middle school and I remember one of my teachers was um, upset at the class for something and one of the boys in the class was like, oh, is she on her period? Um, and so that was the instinct, like, that was the instinct to immediately respond with, is she on her period? And that relates to, I guess, the stigma around the topic and the misconceptions around the topic too, is that the, the, the I know there's lots of women who experience like mood swings or, you know, sometimes they feel differently during that period, but not all women experience that. So it can be very different. And also I think, the misconception is also what allows for a lot of people to talk about it in a negative light. And I feel like because it's so normalized in the media to like, you know, tell a woman, oh, you're just being hormonal or like, you know, oh, I know what's wrong with you. And then kind of like, you know, implying certain things just normalizes a culture of like, you know, dismissing women kind of whether or not they're on their period and kind of like attributing everything they do that you know, someone would disagree with like, you know, oh, she's hormonal. Oh, it's just that time of the month. Oh, this, oh, that. And then you kind of end up, you kind of end up silencing women in a sense, because if everything they do can be attributed to like, you know, their hormones or menstruation, then like that allows a lot of ignoring of women, which I think is also another huge issue. Yeah, that's a great point because that makes me think about the stereotype that 
you know, women tend to be, you know, quote, like emotional. And a lot of, I've seen that a lot of people or a lot of men discredit women's achievements, not even achievements, but actions, um, and categorize everything women do in terms of emotional needs and family needs, um, instead of their own personal desires, motives, or perspectives. It's always in context to like, um, oh, your decision-making is impaired because you're emotional. Yeah. Or we wouldn't want a woman making the final decision, like on an executive, you know, decision, you know, if she's on her period or, or even if she's not on her period, there's this, there's the stereotype that women are emotional and that d- doesn't allow them to make, you know, good judgments. Um, and that also seems very harmful because it's like blocking women, not only blocking women from leadership positions, but also just kind of what you mentioned about not even believing a woman on you know, how she is and kind of self-diagnosing her with like some issue or something that she might not even have. And I feel like, you know, I obviously think that this is really bad, but I think this also extends to affecting, you know, men and boys who are learning about this because, you know, obviously it teaches them a certain culture that they then could or could not adopt, obviously we hesitate to make generalizations Mm -hmm. but um I do feel like it also builds this like energy of like oh women are emotional because they're on their period women are emotional because they're more hormonal and then that kind of obviously toxic masculinity is a very like enormous topic and there are a million reasons why it exists and a million reasons why it continues but I feel like it kind of builds this culture where like you know if a man is emotional then he's a acting like a woman but B, it becomes like almost a thing that only women have, you know, are emotional, only women get hormonal. And then that kind of, it silences women, but it also silences men in a way, I guess. Yeah, because there's this expectation, if, if the standard is that women are allowed to be emotional, and then there's the expectation that a man is not allowed to show his emotions, or if, you know, he does decide to show his emotions, it's, like termed as weak that's also very negative on just you know anyone a human being like human beings are constantly fluctuating their emotions are changing the way they are changes everyone has unique experiences so it's very difficult to be you know putting everyone in a certain box but also back to the point about like education around menstruation it seems like there is a divide and I know that at least I've noticed they really make the attempt to reach out to the students there's there seems to be no information that's withheld or not discussed there's a lot of opportunities to like ask questions but i've noticed um you know in other you know especially public schools it's all up to the discretion of the teacher so if the teacher is not comfortable or decides not to you know talk about periods or decides not to talk about um you know certain topics then the student is being negatively impacted because the teacher doesn't have education about how to you know, teach this topic or chooses not to in the classroom, which I don't know, I think that's absolutely detrimental um, to everyone. There was also this like idea when we were learning about it, like, you know, don't make fun of women when they're on their period. Like that was kind of a sentiment that was going around. And I feel like that kind of, by by saying that, I mean, obviously it's important, you should not do that, right? But by saying that, as one of the first things that you're saying, it kind of, it creates the idea that this is something you could make fun of someone for, right? Because if you have to say not to, then it's implying that you could. 
So I feel like, you know, there are so many things wrong, even with like trying to destigmatize menstruation, you end up acknowledging the stigma and therefore promoting it in a way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's also, I've always wondered how friends and people you know talk about it versus like adults or like teachers. And I think the culture is also very different because there's a lot of girls or menstruators in general who talk to, you know, their friend groups to get information rather than adults because it feels like closer or you feel more comfortable asking questions in that setting. And I just, I guess, I just wonder if they're, could be like a standardized way to teach it or at least uh, a form of like educational resources that could be distributed everywhere regardless. Cause I know we talked about this briefly before but in the South, I know there's like many schools that or at least many people that you know promote abstinence and in that in itself limits education about you know not only sex but just you know health in general. Um, and so that's also really dangerous. And I wonder why there aren't people in the government or at least, you know, administrators and schools pushing for some sort of standardized way to teach this that includes that information. Yeah, because I feel like, especially because it's not as if like, in the South, people menstruate differently. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, in general, I feel like standardized education is pretty important. But I feel like, especially when it comes to matters of health, it's even more important because you know it's about your own body and if you don't know how to take care of it or if you don't know what's happening to it then that can be a very scary but be also like really harmful to you in the future because then you know if you can't trust someone to give you the information you need then how can you trust them to give you help if you need it later exactly and it also creates this sense of like, not like you said, being terrified of not knowing what's going on with your own body. Like imagine how scary that is if you had your period and had no, like absolutely no idea what was going on. Some people I've heard stories where like, or videos about people who said they thought they were dying. Um, and imagine how terrifying that is to, you know, no one has mentioned the topic to you. You have no, you know, understanding of what's going on. And you could be in complete fear of even asking an adult or asking anyone because that's just not the culture maybe in your community or in your area. And I guess one of the questions I also was curious about is like products to use for periods too. Cause I think that's something interesting is that I know that there's a flow project um, it's based in California and what it does, it's an organization that advocates for menstrual cups um, and reusable period products, which also seems interesting to me because I think for apparently with menstrual cups, they save like more, not just money, but they're good for the environment and um, they they have those benefits, but I feel like most people don't use them. And I also wonder like, what's the education around which period products to use and why? Yeah, I feel like in general, people are kind of told like, you know, oh, experiment and see what suits you best. But I don't know, that can be a very scary idea, let alone an expensive one, because I feel like, but then you kind of get into this idea where like, you know, I mean, I feel like it's obviously complicated, but why do women have to pay so much for menstrual products? That, and also that's, that's the question too, is because 
if there is this, uh, there was this TikTok, and now I'm going to reference a funny TikTok here um, about how if men were on their periods or had periods, it would be like a national holiday. There would be weeks off. There'd be like, and the period products would be free. Um, and so that's, and I know New Zealand recently made a decision, correct me if I'm wrong, to make their period products free, um, which is also a huge step that the United States has made strides towards, um, but it's not, you know, actually legislatively being passed or, you know, um, it's not really getting through. And it costs women so much every month. And if you think if you're in a low income community or you don't have the financial, you know, capabilities to afford period products, that puts you at a disadvantage, not only to take care of yourself, but also like do, there's tough decisions that some women have to make over, you know, do I buy this period product or do I buy, you know, food for my family? Because I also have, you know, this going on. So it's, it's really complicated. And I feel like I've also heard of schools that used to, you know, give out menstrual products to students, but then, you know, I think I read in the news somewhere that like a bunch of these schools stopped correct me if I'm wrong, but a bunch of these schools stopped doing that because they found that certain people were taking, you know, quote, more than they needed. And I just feel like that is such a weird idea. And I feel like it's so important that like the people who need period products are getting them. So the idea that you would stop is very weird to me. Yeah, I remember I now this goes back to what products are available to you and understanding the differences. I, when I was in middle school, they gave us like a little, you know, kit thing with like, but it was a kit that was, I get, I guess, given from a company, like from one of the companies that produces pads and tampons, but they didn't give us tampons. They gave us pads. Um, and then they gave us like a little instructional guide, you know, from that company. And so that company had obviously you know, given it to the school and, you know, said, give this out. But the issue is that was a one-time thing and the school did not continue to give those out. And I remember, I think the only access to period products was in the nurse's um, office and many girls or women didn't want to go there um, first off because they just felt uncomfortable because there was a lack of education in the first place. So there was a lot of stigma to even go and ask you know, for, for that product. And two, the, like, you know, in the bathroom, there's a little section where you can get like a pad or a tampon. Um, those were always empty. So that in itself was a huge issue uh, to even access the products. Um, and then the, with the new rise, I guess, of menstrual cups, there's more options available, but there's not enough education about menstrual cups. So people don't really feel comfortable using them. And also it's a process of getting used to what's, what you feel comfortable with with and what you want and also just I guess in terms of affordability that also Im impacts certain people more yeah I especially feel like you know in terms of kind of spreading awareness the issue is that there are so many people who feel uncomfortable talking about menstruation that like you know even if they know that there's this new menstrual cup then they're not going to tell people about it because they're going to feel uncomfortable telling someone there's this new product, it's really good, maybe you should try it, right? Just because there's so much stigma about that. Yeah, I, I have a funny story of, I think this was in seventh grade and um, my friend was on her period and she was taking out a pad, right? But she didn't hold the pad because God forbid someone saw that she you know, was holding a pad because there's a lot of stigma. And so she would put the pad, she had to go to the bathroom and she would put it under her like sleeve because she didn't want anyone to see it. And that just 
that moment just stuck out to me as a time where it's like, this is a total natural process. And, you know, it's okay to, you know, use these products and do these things, but it's the fear that people are going to judge you for it. And what are they judging you on? Like, is what's the, what's the fear behind having a period product in your hand and seeing, you know, other people like what, what are like, what's that stigma? Like defining that is also interesting. Because I feel like maybe this is like a weird way of phrasing it, but people aren't comfortable or like, they're totally fine talking about like, you know, oh, I have to go pee right now. Like that's totally fine. Yeah. And I feel like, why is it that something that's, you know, that not every person experiences is so hard for every person to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And also makes me wonder, like, I would, would I be in, let's say I'm in a situation where I'm more comfortable, I think with other women or at least girls kind of, you know, asking questions or saying like, oh, this is happening to me, or this is what I noticed. But still those conversations don't really, you know, they will be like once, once every, you know, couple months or even a year, (laughs) those conversations aren't like natural and they're not like happening regularly and I also feel like I wonder I would also be in that situation of being like a little hesitant to even mention like having a period in front of a guy or like you know one of my guy friends um and I know everyone's different so I know there's some guys who are really just they have a lot of sisters or you know they're they're very comfortable with that and they understand that and there's some people who are like absolutely terrified of that um so I don't know that's always interesting to me I do feel like you know Obviously, they're different things, extremely different things, but I would be fine talking to someone who doesn't wear glasses about wearing glasses. So, like, I don't, I feel like it's very weird that it's something that's specific to some people, but people feel so uncomfortable talking about with people who don't experience the same thing. So I feel like it creates this interesting dynamic. I know in middle school, like, you know, I'd be talking with people about, you know, our periods. And then suddenly a guy would come in and they'd be like, you know, oh, what were you talking about? And we'd all just be like, you know, coming up with something random from like some <laughs> class that we're all in. Like, no, I feel like that almost builds the stigma. Exactly, exactly. So I it would, yeah, and it's- but No one it's, wants to be the one to break it. Like no one wants to be like, oh yeah, we were talking about menstruation. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, and it all goes back to education because it's like, if the way, and even, even if you have an excellent education or a health education in your school, it's, they should at least practice some of those, which I know sounds silly, but you know, having those dialogues, like where they show you examples of what the conversation would look like, because I feel like there's, um, it's bad that people have, feel like they have to hide it, um, and, you know, whisper about it, um, when it's something that's so natural. But I also feel like, you know, talking about it is so difficult because, you know, I feel like the traditional kind of destigmatized menstruation mm-hmm. path is to act like there is no stigma. Mm-hmm. And I know that when people try to do that with me, I just feel uncomfortable that I would not feel comfortable talking to anyone about menstruation, right? So then I feel like, you know, behind the times or something. And I feel like that almost makes the situation worse. Yeah. Now we're stigmatizing destigmatizing that's right <laughs> yeah no that's that's the issue is I also think that there should be acknowledgement that there is a stigma and some people just aren't comfortable like everyone has different boundaries and limits on what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with 
And at the same time, it's kind of ridiculous to expect everyone to be completely open and completely ready to start talking at any moment about a subject just because someone else is. And so it's kind of taking those steps to just acknowledge people's comfort zones and their own realities, because that's very funny to, to you know, feel like you're behind the times for just not feeling comfortable in that moment. Um, Even if I didn't feel a stigma around menstruation and like in theory I would be comfortable talking about it to anyone like no I'm not gonna walk up to someone you no matter how close I feel with them and be like you know I'm menstruating right now like that's not what I would yeah. do <laughs> yeah and also that conversation just it, it just yeah like you shouldn't have to feel forced to like you know suddenly be super comfortable and talking about it all the time there should just be a recognition that there is a stigma and that's you know that that happens that's okay and people have different comfort zones but just being able to understand you know, your own health is important. And if you're comfortable with that, then that should be okay. Um, and also, do you have any recommendations for resources that our listeners could use or um, anything like that? Honestly, like, I know this is a little difficult to do because I know that this does require a bit of being able to speak up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oftentimes if I'm in the store, it works there and being like, you know, what products do you recommend? Or like, you know, what products are popular? Exactly, yeah. And also something that I'm thinking about too is there's access to, you know, the internet for a lot of people. And also that can also be a downside because it can be very scary to like look up symptoms on the internet and like diagnose yourself with something you have no clue that you might have. So I think like one website that I looked at or that I worked with that, you know, would help with that is it's called the flow world. Um, And we'll add links on our website. And it just provides a general education about periods, menstruation, types of period products, you know, ways to care for yourself during that time. And also just, you know, distinctions between the products and um, we can provide those resources. And at the end of the day too, um, sometimes, going to your school nurse might also help depending on how open they are, because I know it might seem awkward to walk into that office, but, you know, usually health, you know, educational people are very excited to talk about it and they're very open to, you know, having that conversation with you. So I would also recommend that, but there are really great resources online that we will link um, on our website so that you can all have access to that or share that with your friends. Um, I think it is also worth noting, like, if you feel comfortable talking with family members about this, like, that is also a really key and really useful resource, because if you are comfortable talking with, like, you know, a parent or a relative, um, then they also, you'll probably feel closer with them, so it might be a little less awkward, and they'll probably also be able to help you, because they might know what you're thinking about a little bit more intimately than, say, Google or someone working at a store. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of the nonprofit organizations that work with periods, the information they provide is unbiased, um, and it doesn't really have, uh, it doesn't attach common misconceptions. I know if you look online, and you, there's like certain products or certain information, it can be false, or it can just be kind of misguided. So I would recommend checking those out. And so we just wanted to have this conversation, one, to get a sense of the differences between both of our educations on the topic, similarities, and some challenges that women face and kind of addressing them. And then we can share some resources with you all. And we hope you enjoyed this fourth episode of the Gen Z Leads podcast. Stay tuned.
Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.